I'm Olivia. I'm Arushi. And I'm Neha. And today we're going to be discussing 2020 presidential hopefuls, um, at least at first. Uh, <laughs> and um, we thought we'd start off with a really interesting candidate, um, Andrew Yang, I believe, who's running on what platform? He's running on a universal basic income, income platform. He's hoping that Americans will get $1,000 a month every month. For every American. So, that's pretty intense. Yeah, honestly, we hadn't really <laughs> heard of him before we started talking, and then started looking into him, and yep, he's all about this universal basic income, so. That's intense. So, I mean, isn't that kind of like, what's he saying about, like, all those, like, socialist allegation that's gonna come out, you know? Yeah, well, um, on his website, he talks and he addresses a lot of questions, obviously. It seems pretty social radical. And he does address a lot of this. He believes that this is not socialism or communism. In fact, that it's a form of capitalism to help grow the economy. I'm not sure where he gets his data from because he says uh, <laughs> $2.5 trillion of economic growth in the next eight years. So that's pretty um, insane would be the first word that comes yeah. to mind. So, like, I'm not opposed to having a higher minimum wage. I mean, honestly, what it is right now is way too low. But my main issue here is that $1,000 a month in New York is, like, very, very, very different from $1,000 a month in, like, nowhere Kentucky. So that is one of the biggest issues I have with the universal basic income. But I think it comes from a good place. Yeah, I, th I was thinking about that, too. And with the whole, um, you have uh, New Jersey that's... Um, Cho chosen to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour when, again, with the, you know, Appalachia-New York comparison, um, $15 an hour in South Orange is a lot different than $15 an hour in Camden or something, you know? Yeah, and, like, looking back at the 2016 election, like, economic factors were, like, a very, very, very large reason why our current president won the election and a lot of concern is how they're gonna pay for it so yeah how are they gonna pay for it does he say anything about that on his campaign yeah, website he actually does he talks about an implementation of a vat or a value-added tax which has also been popularized throughout europe and the eu along with some other countries in asia specifically i know about india and i'm sure there's many others and it's a very like high tax on most goods and it's a big source of government revenue, and... Does it work in those countries? Like, what's your experience? Um, well, they obviously don't do it for universal base income. <laughs> they yeah. do it because they're a lot less free market than we are. Yeah, okay. That doesn't really bode well for appealing to, like, America in general, yeah. I don't think. Because, I mean, all those people that are sort of on the fence but are, like, sort of one-issue voters on things like immigration, and, like, they're gonna just going to say, like, if we give every person over the age of 18 $1,000, like, everyone's going to come to America, and, like, that's horrible. So, like, I just don't think his appeal, like, he has a very, very specific target group, but I don't think that it's going to appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, and I agree with the whole anti-American thing. It's not very American of us. I mean, that's also a big... Part of why in like the 1960s when they tried to go for universal basic income, it actually failed the Senate because they wanted a higher floor because the idea of it being universal wasn't enticing enough to most people and it would have lost senators a lot of constituency. Yeah, so what what's his views on immigration? <laughs> he believes we, sh we should provide a pathway to citizenship 
obviously including waiting periods, background checks. Just pretty much what we have now. Basically kind of. what we have now. He believes we should make it easier. Not sure that what he's talked about on his website would make that easier. It would be a dramatic change. Yeah, that's very strange. Especially since, as you said, I mean, a $1,000 universal basic income is really enticing for people who want to immigrate, which I don't know enough not about. Against. Yeah, I know enough about you, the relationship between UBI and immigration to really elucidate on that. But you know what? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to um, another candidate, which we're kind of familiar with in a weird way, John Delaney, um, which is, <laughs> he's very similar to a candidate we have here in Tennessee, where we're recording this, um, named Phil Bredesen, who lost to um, Marsha Blackburn. Yeah, in U.S. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, in November of 2018, we did work on his race and were pretty familiar with some of his platforms, and a parallel we noticed was the sort of appeal to, like, your average, like, middle-class family, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go onto his website, just, like, picture this. It's just, like, your average, like, you know, slideshow of, like, blue-collar workers and, you know, him just smiling there. When in reality, he's a CEO and has a ton of money. Yeah, well, he did have a middle-class background growing up, so, you know. But that's very similar to Phil Bredesen, where he was, like, he was running on a, you know, like, an improve the economy, you know, I'm pro-middle-class and blue-collar workers thing. One difference between those two candidates is that I would say John Delaney is definitely further left outwardly, maybe because he doesn't represent a red state. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, it's not a complete comparison, but they have, do may have similarities in, like, the way that they present themselves on the internet and in the way they their yeah, even their stuff. ads are similar. But yeah, Phil Bredesen's a CEO. They're, I mean, they're both yeah. CEOs. They both have this, um, you know, all that stuff going on. But uh, something different about him also, he um, tying into the whole he's way more leftist thing, is that he wants to overturn Citizens United. He's anti-NRA, okay? Meanwhile, Phil Bredesen had an A rating from the NRA. And um, at least, if he didn't, he said he did. Yeah, as a, yeah, exactly. As a Democrat, okay? Yeah. Um, he's way anti-gerrymandering, and again, with $15 minimum wage. I know, like $15 in different places is very different, and just raise the minimum wage proportionally. To- I would say this is a federal minimum wage, and states do raise minimum wages proportionally in places where they're represented by people who know how this works but oftentimes a federal mandate is enough and states won't wait raise the wage yeah. when okay yeah. yeah and then he has the carbon tax thing as well i think something that could really appeal to voters is the whole anti-nra overturn citizens united yeah, thing i agree with that too and especially like anti-NRA, like, now, like, the big issue, sort of, of our generation, like, Gen Z, is, like, whole gun control, like, with all of the school shootings that have been happening of late, then, like, I mean, I'm gonna get a vote in 2020, I'm 16 currently, so I think that he might be even more appealing to the next generation of voters as well. Yeah, and it's also, it's a, a little bit strange, he doesn't, he's, he seems to be more anti-NRA than he is pro-gun law reform, which is kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, just, like, I, I, I dislike all of the lobbying power that this one singular entity has. And I think that scares a lot of other Americans as well. It ties in with the whole Citizens United thing. I'm just kind of curious to see, like, how he's going to appear to lobbyists who are trying to kind of Yeah, what is notable about him is he does have these platforms that are very appealing to, like, 
the millennial Gen Z population, but what's also easy to do is to ignore or overlook or not even just know about a lot of the other stuff he's advocating for, such like $15 minimum wage, carbon tax, a trillion dollar infrastructure reform all at once. Like those are things that I really had to dig for to look around. And I mean, at this stage of election campaigning, this stuff isn't as in common knowledge and not as out in the open as it should be in my opinion yeah yeah um he's also very pro like unity like he introduced a lot of bipartisan stuff you know so uh yeah we kind of exhausted john delaney human version of khakis i had to say that i'm very sorry um i'm sorry let's move on to one of the first people (laughs) who introduced her campaign she's been a name in many races past and sent her lots of controversy as well elizabeth warren Yes, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, what I wish I could say on this podcast about Elizabeth Warren. She's definitely a suburban white woman candidate. That's um, kind of all you need to know. She's yeah. uh, she's kind of, um, she's a little bit Hillary Clinton-ish, but she ca- tries to brand herself as an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah. for the people, blue-collar type of gal. Do you think that works? Honestly, no. I feel like for women, like, being criticized way more than the man that is always running against you, I just think that she needs to, like, keep it a little more tight with all her stuff, and it's just going to be really hard for her to win if she just has her average white win appeal. I mean, we saw what happened with Hillary Clinton in 2016. Like, you need to get the voters, the target groups, and I just think that her base isn't enough for her to win, and she needs to appeal to, like, younger, more, like, diverse people. Yes. And the problem with that is that there are other female candidates in this race who are doing that much, much better than her. Exactly. Well, yeah, but, I mean, there's also that thing about, like, she's... She doesn't seem genuine. I think that's a just, like, one of the biggest reasons that Hillary Clinton lost the election in 2016. Because Donald Trump is just, like, he says whatever the hell is on his mind, you know? Yeah. Whereas Hillary Clinton was tight-lipped, robotic, and it appeared that she kind of, um, you know, shifted yeah, herself. Yeah, sort of, like, plays and she almost won. That's <laughs> And she also seems to sort of, like, what you said earlier about, like, Hillary tight-lipped, it sort of, like, just shows you the double standard. Like, if someone, like, a woman kind of, like, talked like Donald Trump did, like, like Ocasio-Cortez, like, Ocasio-Cortez does. She talks, she'll tweet all the time, she'll share what's going on in Congress to her constituents for us to appreciate. But it's the face of criticism through all far-right media is her. I don't see as much criticism about surrounding her tweets, you know, but um, I think that's I more. Saw a couple earlier. Yeah, I mean yeah. most of it is because she's a democratic socialist, right? I also think it could she's be an age. I think it's an that's age true. thing, a race thing, and a gender thing. Honestly. Yeah, it, I mean those are all definitely factors, but I mean I think it just comes down to like. Hillary Clinton should have won by way more than, like, one percentage. Like, yes, she almost won, but she, like... Like, it's electoral college, though, I think we should save that for another one because I could talk about the electoral college <laughs> forever. <laughs> okay, let's move on to another candidate. Um, shall we talk about Kamala, Kirsten, Julian, Andrew? Or, we already covered Andrew. <laughs> you know what? Let's go Tulsi. Tulsi, Okay. So, I think the most, like, thing that's, the thing that stands out the most about her is, like, 
that she was a veteran and to be like a woman of color but also a veteran just like sort of seems to like tie into the whole um trying to appeal to as many groups as possible and I think that like being a veteran can get a lot of people around her too I agree I think a bit of a roadblock might be she's not a Christian we've never had a non-Christian president before at least outwardly well outwardly yeah that's very true because like she was the first Hindu ever elected to Congress so that's saying a lot and it's just really unprecedented religiously to not be Christian in America even though we're all about separation of church and state so yeah I think Bernie got the closest didn't he was he the first yeah I think he was the first major party nominee to not be yeah or not a nominee but like in the primary yeah Yeah. I mean to yeah be competitive in the primary and not be Christian yeah there you go (laughs) he got his he got pretty far which I think is pretty great um yeah, yeah, but so, with her being an Iraq War veteran, that there's a lot of Iraq War veterans still here. I mean, it was much more recent than we like to think it was. And that, like, plays a big role. And lots of her policies that we've seen, like, she's been active on Twitter about her views. And another big one has been anti-interventionism. Tying into the Iraq War, he, she's seen interventionism, been a part of it, I would say. And she's very much against that as she talked about with Venezuela. Yeah, with the she sent a tweet out um, about Venezuela. Can we pull that up? I do want to get the exact quote. But yeah. the effect of it was is that she believes that we should not intervene with um, Nicolas Maduro, who is a dictator in Venezuela, who is really just wreaking havoc across that entire country, just kind of imposing really yeah. intense socialist policies. The Do direct quote from her tweet is, the United States needs to stay out of Venezuela. Let the Venezuelan people determine their future. We don't want other countries to choose our leaders, so we have to stop trying to choose theirs. So first of all, I think that's a little subtle jab at like 2016 and whole like Russia-Trump situation, which I found funny. But other than that, I just think that it's a little bit far out there for her to say that. Yeah, and also, I don't think that we can really say that the Venezuelans chose Nicolas Maduro. I mean, the yeah, system there is the, pretty like, fixed. Fair elections <laughs> equals fair yeah. candidates, and that just was not one. I, it, but then again, Venezuela is a, you know, a huge uh, source of oil for us. So, kind of a similarity between uh, <laughs> Venezuela and Iraq with the whole non-interventionist yeah. thing. I think she does have the most uh, radical foreign policy views, especially with how, like, the controversial when she met with, met, met, went to Syria, I think, didn't, do you want to pull that up, like, a little Syrian controversy thing? Um, so anyway, we were looking at it, and we couldn't really find, um, a lot of concrete stuff to put out there, but basically, um, the effect of it is, is that Tulsi Gabbard is a little bit of a war hawk, would you say? I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would too. Um, Not in any extreme way, just for the other stances she's put out, it seems a little off, but I mean, you can be aligned one way in another way. I think she's very strong, bold, and like believes what she stands for, especially with um, taking responsibility for her words and like her, the implications her words have, which I think is a very important thing to have, and this just shows transparency and I guess what we would see from her if she does get elected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she um she doesn't she says she doesn't have any regrets about meeting with Bashar al-Assad, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um and also she's 
a Bernie Sanders supporter. Anyways, um, you're about to say something about um, her stance on uh, the LGBTQ community um, and what she said about that. What was it? Yeah, she um, you she said she grew up in a very conservative household where marriage was between a man and a woman was their ideology, sort of. And um, she has come like on her Instagram and I think Twitter as well publicly to apologize, saying that like her words have implications and that she's sorry for everything she's done like to harm the LGBTQ community, which I thought was very noble of her because a lot of people, most people actually don't take responsibility for their words. I think that her owning up to that is very important and um, I guess that's something that people can't use against her now that she has done that. So I think that was strategic as well as like, well, we have, uh, we have Kirsten Gillibrand, okay, and she used to be a Blue Dog Democrat, but she led the effort to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and I think that that is absolutely something that she would use against Tulsi. She really fought to repeal that, apparently. Yeah. I'm honestly kind of looking forward, not, well, not looking forward, I guess, but sort of want to see what candidates have to say about each other in this really competitive primary, because there's so many high-profile candidates out there, so... I mean, I'm just curious to say how they're going to attack each other. Yeah. Um, did we talk Kamala? So, we'll move on to Kamala Harris, who also announced her candidacy to run another woman of color who's joined the 2020 pool. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Kamala is actually, she's getting a lot of people excited. Yeah. I think that um, one thing that I've seen a lot of is, because she is biracial, she is like half black, half Indian. Not Native American, to clarify, she's Indian, like, her mother is from India. <laughs> and um, a lot of people I've seen, like, in the black and Indian communities have been sort of attacking for her, either, like, prioritizing her one of her, like, identities over the other, which I think is just really disrespectful to her, because I think she does do a pretty good job of sort of balancing her cultural background and, like, supporting both communities. And I just think that backlash is interesting and... Could that be a factor, maybe, in whether or not she wins? Is just I think her thought. being mixed race, half black, half Indian, not really, people don't really love that in yeah. America. So you guys are both Indian, so yeah. um, what's the what's the feeling within your community? Can you really gauge that, or do people just not talk about it? I think it's too early on to say that, honestly. She only announced, what, a week ago? Yeah. That's yeah, true. That's, I mean, I haven't, come back I haven't really had conversations with people in my community, but, I mean, I really think that she, her, like, I think that the way she presents herself is very appealing, and I appreciate the fact that she acknowledges her cultural identity and, like, the complexity of it, so I don't have any problems with that. Yeah, so, um, she has, uh, a little bit of a problem with criminal justice reform. I think that that's a big issue on that's going to be a big part of her race. I also think there has not been enough of her speaking out about it since like since she decided to run for president and she was the attorney general, she was a prosecutor and that's a big part of her background, but that doesn't mean to me that her values are going to carry over then because I mean you do adapt to the role of your job and to the role of the party and to your constituents. So I think that's a whole wait and see, at least for me, for me to decide yeah, what I, I like, think, what I don't like. Yeah, I think that if she wants to win, she needs to address the issue head on because um, 
a lot of people out there, especially very progressive people, that's what they're not going to like about her is um, her as a prosecutor in San Francisco, which was actually, like, pretty long ago. It's, like, sort of similar situation with Tulsi, like, people bringing up their past a lot, which I guess is really important, but people don't really recognize that you have to adapt to society, like, and the, like, values of your constituents yeah. over time. Um, there have been a lot of, um, th- I mean, this has always been a thing, but I feel like, um, uh, really, like, sex positivity within feminist communities has been a pretty big deal yeah. within the past few years, and she's not good on that at all. She's, I mean, she's not, um, progressive when it comes to, like, sex worker rights and stuff like that, and... I'm just looking at this article right now, and she, in 2015, she opposed a bill requiring her office to investigate shootings involving officers, so that doesn't look good for her at all, but, I mean, like, especially for me, especially when she's been tweeting hashtag Black Lives Matter for, you know, um, recently and stuff like that, I think, um, not addressing her past as a non-progressive prosecutor, again, like you said, will be a problem. Yeah, I feel like the whole sex positivity, like, that is not really an important issue for a lot of people. I think that it is very important, but the majority of people that would vote for her honestly probably don't care is my thing. So I think that is potentially a non-factor in this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that the Black Lives Matter thing would be. Yeah. I think she hasn't been given enough time to address it. I agree. She needs... She, I mean, like we said, she only announced about a week ago, so I think before we start criticizing, we should really let Again. her explain. Yeah, and, you know, um, just coming up on um, uh, another candidate, Pete Buttigieg, he doesn't have any platform out whatsoever, so sorry about that, Kamala. Maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, basically all we know about Pete Buttigieg, yes, that's how you pronounce his name, um, he, uh, he's a mayor. In Bethesda, yep. right? From, no, he's no, mayor from Bethesda. South Bend, okay. Illinois. <laughs> okay, no, he's Indiana. Okay, no. yeah. So Pete Buttigieg, he's a mayor from South Bend, Illinois. It's not Illinois. We can do this, guys. We can do this. Okay. Indiana. Okay, or she can do it. Pete Buttigieg is a mayor from South Bend, Indiana. He is gay openly and is a veteran. He's okay. also thirty-seven year old, th- thirty-seven years old, which would make him the youngest president in history if he were to obtain that office. Like, he knows it's far-fetched. And that whole millennial card, I don't really think it's working. Yeah, I mean, he has he has this, like, right out on his campaign website. It says millennial mayor. That's his, that's what he's labeling himself as? I don't think as. that's appealing to millennials. I don't think that's appealing to young people. I don't think that's appealing to old people. And I just don't think that was a good angle for him especially right to jump the gun with that. That's something he could incorporate later, but that's just something that's not really going to help him out. Yeah, it seems um, just a, a little bit strange that he's putting millennial mayor before <laughs> yeah. Afghanistan war veteran. I'm oh, just, wow. That's just a very strange to me. And to me, the interesting thing about him is that, like, he knows that it's, like, far-fetched for him. He knows. Yeah, that's, he was, yeah, he was elected mayor and only 29 years old, so that's like, pretty intense. He's, Wait, yeah, he's a very old guy. Older people always hate millennials. Younger people <laughs> blame millennials for their problems, too, so, like, everyone seems to be out to get the millennials and to sort of characterize himself as that just really confuses me. Yeah, it, yeah, that confuses me as well, especially when, 
um, the older generations vote way more consistently <laughs> than young people. Millennials true. don't vote at all, but Gen Z, I think we're going to kind of carry yeah. this election, to be honest. Um, I really hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, yeah, so he's still a lieutenant in the U.S. Navy Reserve. He endorsed Bernie Sanders. Okay, so another presidential hopeful, Julian Castro. He's pretty interesting. He was the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under the Obama administration. That might be good or bad to have Obama tied to his name. That's true, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he's published many platforms. But I'm guessing, as Secretary of or of Housing and Urban Development, he's he might have like affordable housing in his platform. At least I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, we can see about that. He was also San Antonio mayor. I'm a Texas gal. I like that. San Antonio. <laughs> Shout out to San Antonio. Anyways, um, yeah, he seems very qualified. <laughs> I know um, from what I've read about his website, he does advocate that he is either he or his parents are immigrants. He's pro-immigration, pro-getting a better process to do that, and that's about all really yeah, that's mentioned. Um, yeah, so I think it's interesting that he's, um, well, he is uh, from San Antonio, so that's a very big issue in Texas, obviously, immigration. Um, in his um, announcement to run, his speech that he gave, he um, touched on his grandma being an immigrant from, uh, yeah, may have been yeah that. being an Im- immigrant, yeah, and um, I think that that's really interesting. I think he's trying to appeal to the whole immigrant voting block. The whole Obama voting block, too. Yeah, the, yeah, the Obama, the, well, we'll see if he tries to distance himself from that name yeah. or not, but That'll I don't think he will. Um, yeah, um, anyway, that's kind of all we have on him right now. Moving, finally, to the big dog on campus, Bernie Sanders. We Who has know. not yet announced, but is going too soon, is what yeah, has been put out. Yeah, probably. I mean, why would they ham it up as much, you know, on the emails and whatever that I've been getting constantly. Sorry, Bernie. Um, anyways, Bernie Sanders, he's probably gonna go for the $15 minimum wage, too. Yeah, which, I mean, I think we've already talked. We've already You already know how we feel about that. Exactly. You know how we feel about the minimum wage. Um, free college is his platform, right? Also something we're not uh, 100% supportive of. Yeah, it's like... I mean, fiscal responsibility is going to be a very big factor in this election, I think. It's a tough balance. Welfare and responsibility. I'm feeling uncomfortable with this many socialists. I have to say, (laughs) I'm not... I'm a fan of some socialist policies. Um, you know, universal health care, that's great. Everybody wants health care, you know. Um, but it's like there there's just a line that yeah. I think that and a I lot think of Bernie has hop step jumped and kicked his way <laughs> over that line. So <laughs> Yeah, but he also he's running on a no pack platform. He was the first Which presidential Which I think a candidate. lot of people are doing Exactly, now. but people were doing it because of Bernie. Because Bernie was so successful with yeah. his no-pack But my main platform. problem with Bernie I think a big here. influence on that also was how successful our midterm races were with no-pack, such as Beto O'Rourke. He did really well on that, and I think that is also a big motivating factor for these presidential candidates. Really because, especially because a lot of these candidates are similar to Bernie in some ways, and a lot are completely different. So I yeah. would say a lot of how these... our midterm elections turned out are a big influence yeah. with the no-pack yeah. thing. Yeah, a lot of these candidates endorsed Bernie. 
just say two things about Bernie. One, he's very old, which to me sort of seems to be a turnoff, because, like, especially with midterms with, like, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like, young people seem to be the future, and I just don't know if Bernie is the right person for that. Second, independent running on a Democratic ticket, leeching off the Democratic Party's money and all that stuff, it just does not, it just doesn't really sit well with me. Yeah, I don't, I'm an independent myself. I, although I'm progressive, so I often vote, or often support Democrats, um, uh, yeah, we can't I think, vote, by the way. We're yeah, all we, we are all we are all minors. Um, anyway, I I like Bernie. I um, I'm ready to get hurt again. I uh, I I I like this guy because I saw him as genuine. And whether or not a lot of these candidates seem genuine enough will be a huge factor to see whether Bernie can pull it in again. And about the old thing, I agree. Even last year, it was like. But yeah. then again, he's probably, like, way healthier than Donald Trump. When Let's he be real, does fellas. get inaugurated, if he wins, he'll be nearing the border to 80, so. Yeah. Hopefully and another interesting. I hope so, too. Another interesting thing is that um, the whole age double standard as well with women and men. Like, Bernie is very old. And then it, and people are making jabs at, like, Nancy Pelosi, who's, like, 78 years old. Like, 78? I'm pretty sure yeah, she's yeah. 78. Yeah, she's 78 years old, and people are, like, calling her incapable because, like, Democrats, too, like, their argument for her, because we all know there was a lot of controversy with her being, like, like being the Speaker of the House, so a lot of people... Yeah, have, within the party, that Within was the party, issue. too, and a lot of people said, oh, she's too old, she can't do it, and then run after Bernie, so that just confuses me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and he's only like one one year younger than her or something. Yeah. yeah, um that that is that is a double standard I think. But um uh, yeah, I just I, I think a lot of people are like, yo, in hindsight should have felt the burn, you know. Um <laughs> I think that's like I think that's a genuine sentiment, but we'll yeah. see if it's a But I also know over. a lot of Democrats out there who are gonna be the main voters in this ele- in this primary they just don't like the way he treated Hillary Clinton after she got the nomination. They don't like the way that Bernie Sanders handled his relations with the Democratic Party as well. So I think that could be a turnoff for I, Bernie. Yeah, well. I just don't think that like parties are a huge deal to young voters. I don't think that like the whole like party politics is going to be like, oh, he offended the DNC. How dare yeah, he? Yeah, but a lot of the old people, which like you did say, do yeah. vote very consistently, are just going to be like, Bernie Sanders. So, yeah, uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, I he's also not a we're not, Yeah, we're also not lacking vote. Like, we're not lacking candidates who are genuine, who are different from what's been in the past. Yeah. We have other candidates who are new. I mean, personally, I would like to see a female in office sooner rather than later. So. Yeah, I just um, wonder, if, yeah. is America ready for a, you know... A, a a female and all. I think ready or not, they're coming. So <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, they should be, but they should. I don't know if like just another old white man just does not appeal to me at all. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a ma- massive influencer, and it's gonna hurt actually people like Delaney and within the Democratic Party. Um. Anyways, let's move on to Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Michael Bloomberg, all those people. Yeah, those but, have been some big names thrown out about potential candidates they have not announced haven't said another name i would add to that's probably better o'rourke he's been a name in the news he obviously hasn't made a decision yeah. but he's been pushed to more than 
Houston. Yeah, down in Texas where we um we have the Beto signs. I have seen so many. You would not believe they tape use white tape to paste over the four Senate thing, yeah. and they put four president on Lots there. Lots of um I think That's his a campaign thing. was actually selling stickers for their yard signs. That's yeah, replaced for Senate with for president or for twenty twenty. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he decided to run, but he does have young children. He has said that he hasn't run, and in general, I think he pretty much sticks to his word most of the time. I I don't think he, that he's gonna run really, but yeah, maybe you know, not yet. He might in the future, but oh I mean, yeah, I know yeah. he's definitely being pressured too because obviously that would be. A name that lots of people would get behind, not only in a red state like Texas, but in lots of other places. So, I think the most recent thing he said about that was, as of now, he's not, and he has not made that decision. Cory Booker. Yeah. How do you guys feel about Cory Booker? Cory Booker's been a big name recently, especially after the Brett Kavanaugh hearing. He really put his face out there. I mean, he has been doing that for a while, but that was really like a peak moment in his... Publicity. He, he acts like he's gonna run. He acts like it. I, just I feel like, like everything about him just seems to like for presentation for president. Everything about him, just the way he talks, presents himself. I feel like he has those mannerisms. Yeah, yeah, but it seems. Um, I have talked to people who have met and talked with Cory Booker in real life, and that's just his personality, you know. Oh, wow. But it's um, it's it does come off as disingenuine to me. Yeah. I, it feels strange. It, just his expression all the time, it's like, it's a little bit Zuckerberg-y if you, <laughs> if you catch my drift. It comes off a little disingenuous, but, um, I mean, he seems like a great guy. I yeah, really can't he find, he does. I really can't find anything to complain about. What's interesting about, to me yeah. about him is I'm pretty sure he's, like, single, no, like, family, which would be interesting to see how that portrays, yeah, yeah. because a lot of people, like, that you, I mean, we saw, like, John Delaney's videos and everything, like, it's all about family and working class so like that might be if he does decide to run might be sort of an interesting thing to look for um yeah so joe biden is another guy another big name as you like to say um you say uh you know obama that's a big thing people i think it's just a lot of obama nostalgia there has to been be a lot of joe biden controversy news though for being america oh yeah the one where he said that obama was like a well-dressed black man or something like that what what did he say it was like super weird it was like i don't know it was very yeah, strange but i actually got to see joe biden on book tour about a year ago i think it was about this time last year maybe i don't really remember but i remember a lot of people in the auditorium that we were sitting in were like yelling like 2020 2020 and he actually addressed this by saying that he was he didn't really feel ready at that point, and he did say that he would he would probably know by the end of 2018, 2019, here we are, he hasn't said anything. Another controversy I've heard about with Joe Biden was recently, this may pose a problem for many Democrats who are probably be staunch supporters of Joe Biden. He went to go give a speech in support of Fred Upton, a House representative, I think in Michigan, and then reports were released, New York Times had an article that he was paid, I think, $200,000 to do that, which was, I think, a big deal for many Democrats who didn't really see that coming, giving a speech in support of a Republican candidate. I know many Republicans were probably overjoyed at that, but that was probably a big issue for many Democrats. Yeah, with the whole, like, trend of, like, no PAC money, no special interest, get money out of politics, like, 
being paid that much money to give a speech just would be a little off-putting for a lot of people. I think people are looking for somebody who's a little bit more radical. Yeah, it's 2020. For a lot of people, Joe Biden seems like Obama again, and I don't know if that's what a lot of... I think. I don't think that's what's going to win the election. Oh, huge factor for, like, uh, 2016 was every... Like, Hillary was branding herself as Obama. Part two. Or part three, because he was two terms. But, yeah, (laughs) uh, besides Michael Bloomberg, he's our last notable candidate... Potential candidate. Yeah. Michael Bloomberg. Do we know anything about the guy besides of his business exploits? Honestly, no. Okay. Well, I mean, if a businessman <laughs> is what America's looking for, seeing because of Trump, here's I another one. I think America might want a successful businessman as opposed to the failure that we have in this <laughs> right now. Yeah. So that was our summary, wrap-up, overview of all of the current candidates that have announced or we think will announce for the Democratic Party. We had a lot of fun talking about this, and uh, we hope you'll uh, come listen to us again for episode two. Don't be a stranger. Anyways, I'm Olivia. I'm Arushi. I'm Neha, and thank you for listening to Next Gen Politics.